An Australian scientist who deals with radiation on a daily basis believes there's no reason for Pacific nations to be concerned about the upcoming release of treated nuclear wastewater into the Pacific Ocean by Japan. Professor of Chemistry at Sydney University, Brendan Kennedy, says the release from the damaged Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant is the largest ever discharge of treated nuclear wastewater at over 1 million tonnes. He told Lydia Lewis, people do not understand the science. The volume is the challenge that the Japanese are dealing with. Just, you know, what the, the famous unit of a couple hundred Olympic swimming pools of waste. So they've got to somehow or another store that safely. And the longer you store something, the greater the risk that an accident is going to happen. You know, we, we look at mines and all the rest of it where they store their waste and their mine tailings for long periods of time. And I don't think there's a year goes by without some environmental catastrophe where a dam wall breaks or something else and then and the mine spills. Now, well, the Japanese have the same problem, that they've got a vast volume of liquid that's in tanks that is not designed to last forever. It always seen as temporary structures, so they either have to think about how you would build a huge holding dam to store all this water that you can guarantee, in inverted commas, that would never exchange with the groundwater around that area, or you treat it and release it. And I think you're much better off to release it under your controlled circumstances, so you're in control, rather than have an accidental released due to a tank failing or a dam wall failing or something else. Why not treat it and then store it in a dam or treat it and then store it, you know, why not do that? So they're using a filtration method to take out all the material that they can remove from it. So what they're going to be left behind with is one particular isotope of hydrogen tritium. And there is no technology that exists to remove the tritium from the volume of water they've got. So before they release it, they will remove all the radiation and all the other nasties in the water to the best of their ability, which, you know, this technology that they're looking at is used commercially to produce drinking water in other countries. So the water will be relatively benign except for these very small levels of tritium and there's no technology to remove tritium from the volume of water they have so they can't get rid of it is this sort of short short answer so if they can't get rid of it they could store it for roughly 100 years half-life of about 12.3 years for tritium Rule of thumb is eight to ten years you store material for it to decay to a level that you think is no longer problematic. So you'd have to store the water for the next hundred years. And has this been done before on the scale following a disaster? I know that um, wastewater is released, but has it been done before on this scale? Not on this scale. So one thing come back to is the total volume of tritium that's estimated to be held in the tanks is relatively small. There are 
other reactors around the world that are authorised to release more tritium than TEPCO want to release from the Fukushima site. Now, we can go into the arguments about whether other regulators are too lenient or whatever else, but other countries, including countries in the region, have authorised their reactors to release more radiation or more tritium in particular than is held on the TEPCO side. That doesn't mean they're actually releasing it, but they've been authorised to release it. Okay. And the Pacific Islands Forum panel of experts, did you watch their briefing? No, but I've read their report. Okay. And what do you make of their report? The panel did a good job in highlighting that some of these unknowns that come through there. I think the panel occasionally was a little bit disingenuous. and How so? So they talk about the bioremediation. And bioremediation is something that is used quite common if you have heavy metal spills, for example. The tritium is the issue, and I cannot see how bioremediation would work. What is your message to people who read the headline, you know, radioactive wastewater to be released and this massive amount, sizes of, you know, Olympic swimming pools, and they Mm. immediately get scared. What is your message as an expert to those people who are genuinely concerned about the health of their ocean, where they live, Mm. where they fish, where Mm. they, you know, swim? Firstly, radiation is part of our everyday life. So... As I sit here in Sydney, I'm being irradiated at the moment by all sorts of weird and wonderful um, things. My body is naturally radioactive. It has various isotopes in it that just come from the environment. And so very low levels of radiation are part of how we live, the exposed to these. What TEPCO are proposing to do is to release a minuscule amount measured in grams of tritium into the Pacific Ocean that already contains kilograms of tritium. And so the net increase in the radiation that the people of the Pacific, and I live on the Pacific Coast, so me, the people of the Pacific are going to be subject to is essentially zero. So I think it's the scale of it. If you don't mind, I would like to stay in touch because obviously the story isn't going away anytime soon Mm -hmm. or in either of our lifetimes. No, no, and that's one of the other things. And the other thing, Lydia, I I keep saying because, you know, I'm a chemist. Yes, I deal with radiation on a daily basis, but I also deal with all sorts of other weird and wonderful parts of the periodic table that are actually much scarier than radiation in my mind. The amount of non-radioactive debris that was generated by the earthquake is horrific. And the amount of greenhouse gases that were emitted by the um, aftermath of the tsunami is horrific. And we lose sight of just how much damage this event did to the planet. And the Fukushima is a headline and and I don't want to be misunderstood, it's a, it's a horrific problem and it needs to be dealt with very, very carefully. Um, but it's a very 
it's a small part of a very complex environmental catastrophe. And what are your reflections 12 years on? Um, well, I, I, I go to, not in, into that particular part, but I go up to Tokai, which is just oh, about 40-odd kilometres from Fukushima, uh, relatively regularly. And you, you know, 12 years ago, you could see the physical damage to the infrastructure as a consequence of the earthquake. Um, you know, we couldn't, where I go, you can't see the radiation. But, you know, the physical damage is just terrific. And the other one, I think, in the Pacific that we think about, um, you know, is the Boxing Day tsunami. Just that huge environmental and physical damage. And they're still looking now at how the stir up of the silt from that, the Boxing Day tsunami, has impacted the heavy metal content of marine life and with the consequences on heavy metal exposure to people. So, you know, I, I, as I say, I'm not trying to downplay the severity of what TEPCO are dealing with, you know, but I think it's one part of a very complex environmental problem that follows any of these huge natural disasters. But an independent U.S.-based scientist, Frank Dalnoki-Veres, who's on the Pacific Islands Forum panel of experts, says the concerns are valid and stands by the panel's report. He says progress has been made with the experts and Japan expected to meet again this month to hash out issues. More on this next week.